Bibles this morning, would you turn to Numbers chapter 14? Numbers chapter 14. This is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. Many people take advantage of uh, the holiday uh, to get out of town. You look around, you can see we got a lot of folks that are out of town and vacationing. Uh, they go to the beach or they take a mini vacation, and those things are great. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the opportunity? Uh, to be able to do those things. However, uh, we know that Memorial Day is, is uh, more than just an excuse to have a barbecue. Amen? Amen. That Memorial Day is uh, a day that has been set aside for us to remember those who have died uh, serving in our military. And, and originally the holiday was known as Decoration Day. And it was known as Decoration Day because of the practice of decorating on that day going to the graves of those fallen heroes and uh, those that had given their life and decorating those graves with flowers or uh, with flags uh, to commemorate that holiday. And uh, that custom is no longer uh, widely observed. I think it still happens, but it's no longer widely observed. And in fact, um, some are concerned that the meaning of the holiday has become so obscured uh, and, and in fact, recently, as well as, I say recently, but it's probably about 10 years ago or so, uh, that the U.S. Congress established, on Memorial Day, uh, established the uh, National Moment of Remembrance to encourage all Americans, um, wherever you are, whatever you're doing on Memorial Day, that Monday, that last Monday of May, to start at uh, 3 p.m. and to pause the duration of exactly one minute and remember those who have given their lives for our nation and to reflect on the significance of their sacrifice and what it means. I, you know, I think it's significant that uh, from Memorial Day to a moment of remembrance. And you know, I know that the intention was to restore the significance of the holiday and the sacrifice that men and women have made to show national unity, but it it illustrates to me that, that we've gone from Memorial Day to a moment of remembrance. It illustrates that, that we can, if we're not careful, that we can forget the price that is, that is sometimes necessary to secure the blessings that we enjoy. Uh, that some people paid the ultimate price, made the ultimate sacrifice so that we might enjoy the blessings of freedom uh, that we have. And here's the thing, that when, when we forget the cost of freedom, when we forget what was paid so that we might have freedom, then uh, we're tempted to give our freedom away too easily. And we're tempted uh, or to become unwilling to pay the price uh, to secure that freedom and that liberty for ourselves and for future generations. I, I still believe that there are some things that are worth fighting for. Can you say amen? That there are some things that are worth even dying for. And so I'm, I'm thankful for the men and for the women who have fought and died for this country. Can you say amen? amen. I'm thankful for the sacrifice they've made. They've, they have uh, paid for the blessings that we enjoy as Americans they have paid for those blessings uh, with their own blood, with their own life, and shame on us if we dishonor their sacrifice by giving away the freedoms that they have so valiantly won for us. 
as Americans. So I encourage you on this Memorial Day, celebrate it. Uh, have a barbecue, go to the beach, have fun, celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy, but take uh, the opportunity to remember the men and women who have paid the price so that we could enjoy those freedoms. In fact, I believe that America is long overdue for a, a rebirth of freedom in our nation. Amen? It's, we're long overdue for a rebirth uh, of freedom. In fact, recently, um, recently our president said to a group of graduating students that they should reject, the, this is not an exact quote, but that they should reject the voices that warn of tyranny and the power of government. And I wondered, when I heard that, I wondered, uh, does he want them to ignore the words of our founding fathers who established this country uh, precisely because of the tyrannical power of governments to oppress uh, their people. People, I wonder if, if he would want us, and I, I know that he doesn't, uh, but he would not want us to disregard the blood and the sacrifice of those who died fighting tyranny so that we might be free as a nation. Uh, but I wondered, is, is this where we are in America, that our, that our leaders uh, would target and that they would tr uh, tamp down the words of those that would remind our country that our freedoms have been dearly bought by our great price and that we need to work hard to maintain uh, those freedoms. We need leaders who are more like our founding fathers. Would you agree? Leaders who are willing to stand in the face of tyranny and like Patrick Henry would be willing to say, give me liberty or give me death. Men and women who are willing to understand that there are some things that are worth fighting for. That there are some things that are worth uh, dying for. So I want to ask you this morning, what are you uh, on this Memorial Day weekend, what are you going to think for a second? What are you willing to die for? Um, what are you willing to die for? That, now, probably for most of us, that's a, probably a, a pretty short list of things that we're actually willing to die for. Uh, your faith, hopefully you'll be willing. Listen, men and women all across this globe are dying for their testimony in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So hopefully we would be willing also. Thankfully, we're not in the position where we have to make that choice. But hopefully, if it ever came to it, we would be willing to die for our faith in Jesus Christ. Probably most of us would be willing to die for uh, our family. Maybe even our friends. Uh, maybe our country. Maybe we would be willing to die for some larger uh, principle of like honesty or loyalty or um, fairness if those principles uh, supported some larger object or some larger issue in our lives. And, and maybe you're wondering why is the pastor asking us what we're willing to die for this morning. Uh, don't worry, I'm not signing anybody up uh, this morning. Uh, but, I, but I think knowing what you are willing to die for uh, says something about what you value. What's really important uh, in your, to you and what's important uh, in, in your life. There are some things that are worth dying for. Can you say amen? I would, I would die for my wife and I would die for my kids. Uh, if someone wanted to harm them and, and if I had anything that I could do uh, about it, then in fact they would have to kill me first before they harmed my wife or my kids. There are some things that are worth fighting for. Amen? 
some things that are worth dying for. You're willing to die for those things that you value the most. And that's significant to us as Christians because we believe that Jesus Christ died for us all. Amen. Aren't you thankful that God values you to the extent that he was willing to die for us? That means that God values you. Each one of you. That you are a unique creation of God and that you have value in his sight. The fact that, that Jesus, Jesus said, Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And the fact that Jesus Christ died for you means that he loves you and that he considers you his friend. And that he wants to give you that opportunity to have that relationship uh, with you. And I, I think that that's amazing, don't you? That God would love us in that way. And so I'm thankful for the men and the women who died for this country so that I can enjoy the privileges that I have as an American. But most of all, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ who died for me to give me the privileges and the benefits that come to me as a child of God. Can you just say, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. That he died for us so that we could become children of God. In fact, uh, compare the good news of Christianity to what I call the bad news of Islam. Jesus Christ says, I died to give you eternal life. Muhammad says, you must die to earn eternal life. I'm glad that Jesus Christ died for me to give me eternal life. Thank God that Jesus has purchased my freedom through his death. Amen. As that song says, and I, I referenced it, I think back at Easter, and can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died by he for me who caused his pain for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? God died for us. Gave, Jesus Christ gave his life for us that we might become children of God. What a privilege that is. What blessings are ours because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. You know, the final verse of that same hymn, that Charles Wesley hymn, says this. Now, uh, no condemnation, now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bone, I'll approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Bone, I'll approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. That illustrates something that I want to uh, speak to you about this morning for just a few minutes. That Christ has purchased our salvation. Thank God that through his death, he has given to us the gift of eternal life. However, the fact remains that we must claim that crown. That we must lay hold of that eternal life that Jesus Christ has already purchased for us. This weekend we were at a, uh, a minister's conference on uh, Friday and Saturday, got back last night. And uh, part of that uh, conference was a video series that we went through uh, 
done by Dr. Adrian Rogers. How many are familiar with Adrian Rogers? You probably heard him on the radio uh, before. Uh, and he, in a, in a segment of that teaching, he was talking about the fact uh, that Jesus Christ has purchased back for us dominion that was originally given uh, to Adam and Eve, but that was left for our own sin. Jesus Christ has purchased that back for us. But, he said, we must be willing to possess it for ourselves. We have to be willing to claim that for ourselves. Jesus died for us so that we might have eternal life. Jesus died for us so that we might have kingdom authority. Jesus died for us so that we might have all the blessings and the benefits that come to us as children of God. However, we must individually possess those things uh, for ourselves. We must be willing, in other words, to fight for and to claim those things that belong to us as children of God. Jesus died for them. He purchased those things for us, but we must be willing to fight for them and obtain them and possess them uh, for ourselves. Jesus said that the kingdom of God suffers violence. And that the violent take it by force. What does that mean? That, that indicates that we must be willing as Christians to press in and to possess everything that has already been provided for us through Jesus Christ. Jesus has already purchased it. Jesus has already done it. Jesus on the cross said it is finished, it's done, uh, it's already been provided for us, but we must be willing to press in and possess what Jesus Christ has already prepared uh, for us. And occasionally, that means that we must be willing to confront the enemy. Occasionally, that means we must be willing to face adversity, trials, tribulation, troubles, adversity. Sometimes it means that we must be willing to confront the enemy. However, if we will be willing to confront those things in spiritual warfare and with the help of God, we can be, we will be victorious and we can claim everything that belongs to us through Jesus Christ. Somebody say praise the Lord this morning. You see, the victory is already assured it's already been purchased for us, but we must be willing to face the enemy and confront adversity and trials and difficulty and troubles if we are going to possess everything that belongs to us through Jesus Christ. Because you see, very rarely is there a blessing without a battle. How many know that? Very rarely is there a blessing without a battle. Very rarely... Is, does there anything come to us without a struggle on, on our part? And there is an analogy uh, for this in God's Word. God, uh, as you know, delivered the nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. He led them with a mighty deliverance uh, out of Egypt. He brought them miraculously right to the edge uh, of the promised land, a land that he had promised to Abraham. It was theirs. God had given them this promised land. It was theirs for the taking, but how many knows they still had to take it? The promised land was theirs for the taking, but they still had to take it. They still had to possess it. And Numbers chapter 13 uh, contains the familiar story of the spies that were sent into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And you remember the Bible story in Numbers chapter 13 
The spies come back and they've spied out the land, the promised land, the land that God had given to the nation of Israel. And they came back and they reported that it was a land that was exceedingly good. In fact, you remember the description that they gave to the people. They said it was a land that flowed with milk and with honey. It was an exceedingly good land. However, the spies said that there's a problem. There's fortified cities in that land. And there's giants that are in the land. In other words, the spies said they could not, they would not possess the land that God had given to them, that was promised to them, that God had provided for them. They would not possess the land without a fight, without a battle, without a struggle. And you see, the question that the people had to ask themselves when the spies came back and they gave their report, the question that the people had to ask themselves is, is it worth the fight? Is the promised land worth fighting for? Now I want to read Numbers chapter 14, a few verses there in Numbers chapter 14, and just say a few things about that this morning. Verse number 1, Numbers chapter 14. So this is after the spies report, after they said this is an exceedingly good land that flows with milk and honey, but there's four or five cities there, there are giants there. Then all of the congregation rose a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear. See, God had brought the nation of Israel right to the border of the promised land, and all that was left for the nation of Israel to do was to cross over the border and to possess the land that God had already given to them. The provision had already been made. The promise had already been made. This land is, is yours. He had already given it to Abraham. He had already given it to the children of Israel. All that was left for them to do was to cross over, to take the land, to possess the land. However, the children of Israel allowed the fear to keep them from fighting the battles that would have secured God's blessings for them and for their families. See, God said, this land is yours. I've given it to you. Just go in and possess it. But the nation of Israel allowed fear to keep them from fighting the battles that would have secured God's blessings for them and for their families. They, they ultimately made the decision, this is not worth fighting for. God's blessing, God's promised land is not worth fighting for. 
and Joshua and Caleb were heartbroken because they, they saw what was happening in this situation. They saw that God had brought them right to the point of giving them the promised land and now the people were shrinking back from the promise of God. Shrinking back from what God was providing to them. They realized that God's people were shrinking back in fear, in the fear of defeat instead of trusting in God for the victory. But they were shrinking back in fear rather than trusting in God. That not only were they disobeying God, not only were they hardening their hearts against God, not only were they rebelling against God, but they were turning their back on everything that God had prepared for them. Everything that God had promised uh, to them. They were disobeying God. Sure they were, sure they were going to have to fight some battles, but that's why they had come out of this way was to possess the land that God had promised uh, to them. They were going to have to fight some battles, but this was their promised land. God had promised it to Abraham. God had given it uh, to them, and all they had to do was to go in and to possess the land. However, the people's fear of the opposition that they faced was greater than their hope in the promises of God and their trust in the help that God would provide. Let me repeat that because, because that's where some of us are oftentimes. You see, Israel allowed the fear of the opposition that they faced to be greater than their hope in the promises of God and greater even than their trust in the help that God would provide for them to possess the land. And that's what often keeps God's people from enjoying the blessings that God has prepared for them. Fear. Fear of the opposition that we're going to encounter, the troubles that we face, the adversity that we must endure, uh, the problems, the battles that we must fight. Fear keeps us oftentimes. And it's the fear that we have about the opposition that we'll face is greater than our hope in the promises of God. Greater than our trust in the fact that Jesus Christ uh, will help us. Uh, this uh, weekend, we heard from uh, Pastor Choco. And he ministered one, one, uh, one of the things that he said on uh, Saturday stuck in my spirit. He said, you know, for every miracle in the Bible, there is always instructions. You know, go uh, wash yourself in the river, put mud on your eyes, go wash the mud off of your eyes. For every miracle, there was always instructions, and the instructions were intended to test the person's faith in him. You see, uh, when we follow the instructions, then we share in the miracle that God has for us. Amen? You see, the, the instructions were intended as a test of their faith. The problem is, is that we want the miracle, but we don't want to exercise our faith. We want the promised land, but we don't want to go in and possess the land, right? We want the milk and the honey, but we don't want the battles, do we? We want the the fruit of the land. We want to enjoy the blessings of the land, but we don't want to face the opposition or deal with the problems or the difficulty or the adversity. We want the testimony, but we don't want the trust. We want the milk and the honey, but we don't want to possess the land. We want the blessings, but we don't want to fight 
the battles. And let's face it, who does want to fight battles? Who does want to face the trouble and adversity? Because battles are scary. Battles are violent. Battles can sometimes be bloody affairs. And listen, I, for one, prefer peace, don't you? I prefer peace. And anyone, I think, who looks for and enjoys battles, well, uh, they're just not right, are they? No one wants the battles. No one wants the trouble, the difficulty, or the adversity. But here's the thing. Occasionally, occasionally, the enemy does come and attempt to keep you from claiming what is rightfully yours in Jesus Christ. Occasionally, the enemy will come and keep you from claiming what is rightfully yours. And you have to decide. You have to decide if what Jesus died for is worth you fighting for. You have to decide, hey, Jesus died to give me this. Jesus died to provide this for me. Listen, again, let me remind you, Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It's a finished work. Somebody say amen. amen. It's, it's not piecemeal. It's finished. Everything he purchased for us on Calvary. Hallelujah. Amen. Salvation, healing, deliverance, provision. All of this is part of the atonement. It's what Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says we have been given everything. Not some things. Not most things. I mean, it would have been enough. He said, you know, God's given us most of the stuff that we need. Thank God for that. No. But the Bible says in 1 Peter, it says God has given us everything for life and for godliness. Aren't you thankful for that? It is a complete grant. It's full provision. Jesus Christ has purchased it for us. Jesus died to give it to us. But occasionally, the enemy will roll up and will try to oppose you and keep you from what is rightfully yours in Jesus Christ. And you have to decide is what Jesus died for, is it worth me fighting for, to possess it uh, for myself? Joshua and Caleb tell the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 14, and so they said, listen, don't shrink back now. This is the promised land. This is what God has given to us. This is ours. This is what God promised to Abraham. That's what we've come out of this way, just to inherit what God has given to us. Don't shrink back now from what God is given to us. And so they implore the children of Israel, don't, don't shrink back. We can possess it. Let's go in and let's take the land that God is given to us. And in fact, Joshua and Caleb give Israel five good reasons to fight for the promised land. Let me give them to you quickly. Number one, they said, listen, it's worth it. This land is worth it. Even if we have to fight uh, for it, even if we have to fight every last individual in this land, it's worth it because it is a goodly land. It's exceedingly good. It flows with milk and honey. The fruit of the land uh, is, is wonderful. So Joshua and Caleb said, listen, if for no other reason, this land is worth us fighting for. Amen. God's word says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Listen, there's no other life like the Christian life. Amen. Some people say that the Christian life is hard 
and that it's difficult. Listen, I believe that serving the devil is hard and it's difficult. I believe when you serve God, God blesses us. Amen. God provides for us. God said, I'll save you, I'll heal you, I'll deliver you, whatever you need. I'll make sure that I give you whatever you need. Listen, you don't get that kind of deal out in the world, do you? The devil doesn't give you that kind of deal. The devil takes away from you. He steals and he kills and he destroys. I believe that serving God is, is worth it because it's a good life. It is worth fighting for. It's, it's worth facing the enemy, fighting the battles in order to possess uh, what Jesus Christ has done for us. So Joshua and Caleb said, listen, it's worth it. It's a good land. We should fight for this land. Number two, they said, besides that, it's ours. The Lord's given it to us. It's not just some land that we found on our own. We say, hey, this is a good place to settle down and let's, let's fight and drive the inhabitants out. He said, no, this is, this is our land. If the Lord delights in us, he's going to give us this land. It's promised, uh, it's promised to Abraham. God's given it to us. So it is rightfully ours. God delights in us and he wants to give us this land. Amen? So it's worth fighting for because it, it belongs to us. It's our inheritance. We have the right as the children of God to say, devil, you can't keep me from the blessings of God. Those things belong to me. They're part of the atonement. They're part of my blessings and benefits as a child of God. And so I'm going to fight you for them because God purchased those things for me and they belong to me. Amen? So Joshua and Caleb said, it's, it's worth it. It's a good land. It's worth fighting for. Besides that, it belongs to us. It's, God gave it to us. Number three, Joshua and Caleb said, if we don't fight, not to fight, not to possess the land is to rebel against God is to disobey God, is to turn your back on what God has provided. Don't shrink back now because not to fight is to rebel against God. Number four, he says, and I love this one, a fourth reason to fight for this land, he says, because their protection has been removed. You see, Joshua and Caleb had the spiritual sensitivity to see what the rest of the spies couldn't see and what the nation of Israel couldn't see, they understood that, hey, yeah, there's, there's enemies in the land. There's fortified cities there. There are giants there. But listen to what Joshua and Caleb said. I, I don't think I really even noticed this until the other day I was reading this. And Joshua and Caleb said their protection has been removed. See, all that the other spies could see, all the rest of the nation could see were the giants and the enemies. And they were calculating how difficult it was going to be to fight the battles and to overcome the enemy. But somehow Joshua and Caleb had the spiritual sense to see that all of their protection had been removed by God. And listen, that's what the devil wants to do when he tries to oppose you from possessing what belongs to you in Jesus Christ. He wants to puff himself up real big and make you think, boy, this is going to be a hard fight. I'm not sure that I can overcome the enemy. I'm not sure that it's worth it. I'm not sure that I have the strength of the energy to fight the devil. Hey, can I just help you this morning in yourself, in your own power, and in your own ability? You are no match. You are no match for the devil. Amen? Without the help of Jesus Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not a match for the devil. But listen, because Jesus Christ died on the cross, 
Because he shed his blood. Because he descended and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Listen, the, the, uh, the Lord has pulled the devil's teeth. His power is broken. His defenses are down. Amen. And so he might be able to roar. He might be able to try to intimidate you. He might try to puff himself up and make himself appear bigger than he actually is. But listen, when you're standing in the anointing of the Holy Spirit and in the, uh, uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ, then the devil's defenses are down, amen? And God has promised you the victory. I believe that if the nation of Israel had said, you know, yeah, there's fortified cities there. They outnumber us. There's giants there. But listen, our help is in the Lord. Their defenses are down. This land belongs to us. It's a goodly land. And if they had marched over into the land, sure they would have fought some battles. But if they had put their trust and their hope in God Almighty, they would have won every battle because their defenses of the enemy were down. Amen? And so... Joshua and Caleb understood, listen, the protection is down. Let's go in and attack them because God's going to give us the victory. And besides, number five, God is with us. God is, is with us. So this morning, it seems to me that I'm sure that there are those that are facing battles this morning. You're facing some significant challenges and adversity in your life in it. And it may be that the enemy is trying to hold you back and keep you from claiming what is rightfully yours in Jesus Christ. And I'm here this morning to tell you don't shrink back. <laughs> because you're right on the verge of God's blessings in your life. You're right on the verge of a miracle. You're right on the verge of possessing what belongs to you because Jesus Christ has purchased it uh, for you. Jesus died for you. And all that is his belongs to you. Isn't that amazing? Just try to get your mind around that for just a second this morning. All that is his belongs to you. We are seated with him in heaven. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Good. I, uh, punch your neighbor, make sure they're not asleep this morning. I was beginning to wonder this morning. Did I, did I come back to Glad Tidings Church or did I show up at some other church this morning? All that is Jesus Christ belongs to you. He's our elder brother. Amen? He's purchased everything that we need for life in God. We're seated with him in heavenly places. He died for us. All of his skills is rightfully yours. You can claim it by faith. Face the enemy. He's already been stripped of his power. His protection is already down. Sure, you're going to face some battles. Some of you are locked in a battle right now, but you're about to pull back and shrink back and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I give up. And you're about to turn your back on the blessings of God. And I'm here to encourage you this morning, don't give up. Don't, don't turn and run from the enemy. Face the enemy. Fight the battle. His protection is down and God is, is with you. And you will be victorious when you fight in the power of the Holy Spirit. Some things are worth fighting for. So some things are worth fighting for. And if Jesus died 
to give these things to me, then I believe they're worth fighting for. And I'm not going to let the devil hold me back and keep me from claiming what rightfully belongs to me because of what Jesus Christ has provided for me. Amen? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask Mike to come to the piano this